0: The title of today's message is called Missing the Mark. Missing the Mark. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, it is truly a joy and a blessing to be here this morning. Father, I know that uh, these past couple of months have uh, served for all of us to uh, do a reset in so many ways. Lord, it's been uh, interesting. It's been stressful, um, but at the same time, Father, we know that we serve a God that is in control. There are so many times where we cannot control the circumstances that we are in, but I just want to pray, Father God, that your Holy Spirit uh, can give us that peace, knowing that we serve a God that knows the beginning from the end, that is the Alpha and the Omega. And we know, Father, that today, You are here to um, give us that comfort, give us that hope, give us that peace. But may we look today, Father, to you as we find out a little bit more of what it means to miss the mark. We love you and we pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. I have to be honest with you, I miss saying, let everybody say and then I hear a big amen here in the church. I do miss that praise the Lord for that one uh... let's go ahead and get started his name was matt emmons in the two thousand four olympics he was competing in the fifty meter three position rifle event and was one, and was one shot away from winning the gold medal as he took his position to fire the final shot all he had to do was hit the target and he was known for being a crack shot in the bullseye and he did hit the target he actually focused so much to hit the target but what he did not know is that he hit the target but it was the wrong target that he hit he was standing in lane two and made a shot which would have won the gold matter the gold medal had it hit the target in lane two but he shot the target in lane three Instead of winning, instead of a winning score of eight point one, he received a zero. Instead of winning the gold, he fell to the eighth place. The wrong target. Matt Emmons missed the mark. When we look at the word sin in the Hebrew and the Greek in the Hebrew meaning shatah and the Greek meaning hamartia the word when we translate it to the literal English it means to miss like an archer missing the target at which he was aiming the sin can be defined as missing the mark in fact in 1st John chapter 3 verse 4 it reveals that the target that the sinner misses by his sin and it says this whosoever committed sin transgresseth also the law for sin is the transgression of the law and the very next verse establishes Christ as the indistinguishable equivalent of the law and it says in him there is no sin so when we look at the definition of sin We can simply, when we ask the question, what is sin? You normally would hear something like, well, it is simply the transgression of the law. You are breaking the law, therefore that is sin. But at the same time, what the Bible does, and when we look at the original language, it breaks it down even farther. Sin, when we translate it, simply means that we are missing the mark. Maybe we were trying to aim for the mark Maybe we were not trying to aim for the mark. Maybe we subconsciously decided to aim for it, or maybe we just decided deliberately to not aim for it. But at the end of the day, whether we miss it or not is really the question. And it doesn't matter if you were a little bit off or if you were a lot off, you are still missing the mark when you sin. So the question is this morning what is the mark? What is the mark that we, what, that we see or that we miss or that we try to aim for? See, we see a picture of this right here. And if you have your Bibles at home and over here, uh, the few of you that are here, please turn with me to Matthew chapter 23. Matthew chapter 23. And this is uh, probably one of the toughest scriptures to read because we see a side of Jesus that we normally don't see the gentle and humble Savior is really going at it with the Pharisees calling them out in every single sense possible see we see a picture of this happening of missing the mark in Matthew 23 See, the Pharisees, they thought that they were following the Lord. They wanted to follow Him. They wanted to please God. And they were following hard, as we will see. The problem was for them is that they were following the wrong thing, looking at the wrong things and aiming towards the wrong target. If you have your Bibles... Turn with me right now to Matthew 23. We're going to start in uh, verse 1. And even though I can't see it over the camera, please type hallelujah when you are there, please. And I will wait a few seconds here. Matthew 23, we're going to start in verse 1. And as we read, just follow me here, because we're going to see some very harsh words. I'm reading from... Uh, the New King James Version, as I usually do. And it says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitudes and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. Therefore, whatever they tell you to observe, that observe and do, but do not do according to their works, for they say and do not do. For they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do to be seen by men. They make their phylacteries broad and enlarge the borders of their garments. They love the best places at feasts The best seats in the synagogues, greetings in the marketplaces, and to be called by men Rabbi, Rabbi, but you do not be called Rabbi, for one is your teacher, the Christ, and you are all brethren. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father, he who is in heaven, and do not be called teachers, for one is your teacher, the Christ, but he who is greatest among you shall be your servant, and whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted." As Jesus is opening up these words, he's been dealing with the Pharisees for a long time. In fact, he wanted the Pharisees to open their eyes. He wanted the Pharisees to really experience what God was like. He wanted the Pharisees to really see the image of Jesus that was right there in front of them. But at the same time, you have a pharisaical approach to the whole thing because the Pharisees themselves they had God in front of them right in front of them and yet they could not see him the Pharisees themselves Jesus was calling them and telling them and calling them and just almost basically insulting them Because he would say statements like they bind heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. The Pharisees, my friends, they have gotten to the point that they were so religious that they were zero spiritual. They were following religiosity to a T, and they probably had it down. But religiosity, my friends, is not enough. They did not themselves have or know what it was like to have a relationship with God. Jesus calls them fans, hypocrites, and play actors. You are simply wearing a mask trying to make people think that you are something which you are not. And this would expose them. This would expose them in a way that they have never been exposed before. They exposed them he exposed them in a way that their wrath started to boil up to the point that they were going to kill this man. In fact, Jesus continues in verse 13 and starts calling them out woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for you neither go in yourself nor do you allow those who are entering to go in woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you devours widows houses and for a pretense make long prayers therefore you will receive greater condemnation and he goes on and on and on and on I could probably make a full uh, uh, what, what's the word I'm looking for uh, dissertation on what Jesus is saying here to the Pharisees the point is is that they knew what to do in front of people but to God all of their actions were null they were the type that knew every single word in the Torah but inside they were empty of God they were the ones that knew the spirit of prophecy from beginning to the end and could quote every single person every single uh, mark of, of, of every single part of or word of Ellen White but for some reason they had still not, they had still not experienced God he kept calling them hypocrites which by the way when we look at the word hypocrite and when we translate it it simply means that you're an actor you know what to say you know what to do you know what to wear you know what to eat, you know the right things to do, etc., etc., but for some reason, your heart is far from the one that gave it all to you. This is the exact truth Jesus is trying to convey to them later on. In fact, in verses 25, if you can skip with me, verses 25 to 29, it says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleans the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness even so you are all outwardly appear righteous to men but inside you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness this type of truth hits hard because Jesus is reminding us that it's not so much what happens out here that people can see that matters but it is what inside what is happening with God that puts everything else into perspective you cannot clean the outside until you begin on the inside the fan here is focused, is confused thinking that if he can make everybody think that he's good then that is the truth. Problem is man looks on the outside but God looks on the heart. Additionally the person is interested in the letter of the law and forgets the spirit of the law and we find that these people The Pharisees really missed the mark with Jesus. They have no idea that I'll follow the laws and rules while Jesus calls us to follow Him. So I'm going to ask you this morning, what are you following? Are you following a set of rules? Are you following a set of laws? Are you following just certain traditions? Or are you following the one who gives all of these things and puts them in perspective when we look at verses 13 read with me verse 13 in Matthew 23 says woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men for you neither go in yourselves, nor do you allow those who are entering in skip to verse 15 Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel land and sea to win one proselyte, and when he is one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as yourselves. Very strong words from Jesus himself. Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever swears by the temple, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gold of the temple, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gold or the temple that sanctifies the gold? And whoever swears by the altar, it is nothing, but whoever swears by the gift that is on it, he is obliged to perform it. Fools and blind, for which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, he who swears by the altar, swears by it and by all things on it. He who swears by the temple, swears by it and by him who dwells in it. And he who swears by heaven, swears by the throne of God and by him who sits on it. These verses send many of us into orbit thinking how unkind and harsh Jesus could be. Most of us want want a Jesus that is meek and mild and humble and not a Jesus who is confrontational. May I just say this? We are just like kids. We think we know what we want, but we do not know what we need. Can you picture a young adult who has never told no to a kid? They'll think they can make their own rules, do their own things, and ultimately many lives will be destroyed by their selfishness and self-centeredness. This is our fallen nature. I'll be the first one to tell you that ever since I became a father, all of these aspects become more real to me. I have a beautiful son, and I know I keep saying that, but I don't apologize for that but I have a son that is very strong-willed I have a son that right now he's at an age where he's already walking and he wants to do his own thing I have a son that likes to explore and sometimes that exploring can get him into trouble now that he has freedom he wants to take advantage of it as much as possible just this past week my my son and i were out for a walk in our little community over there and he likes to push this little cart because it is what suits his soul at the time well during that time for some reason and this is something that i'm still personally understanding from an outsider's perspective but he likes the dangerous he likes the things that are not easy He likes the things that are challenging, so when he pushes the cart and he sees a car coming in the streets, he wants to take the cart and actually push it towards the car that is coming. And I'm thinking about that, and I'm thinking, what in the world are you thinking about? Because from our outsider perspective and and our outsider looking in, we know that it is ludicrous to just simply let him be at that time. Because we know he's not stronger than the car. We know that he could get very, very hurt by that happening. So what do I do as a parent? Do I just say, okay, just go and get run over? No. In fact, some of you even cringe at the thought. As a father, I go there and I run as fast as I can. And I tell my son, you need to be here in the sidewalk where it is safe because I do not want you to get harmed. And of course, as I'm taking him away from the streets and from the path that he thinks is righteous, he comes back and I put him on the narrow path and he starts crying, throwing tantrums, and we're, you know, and and it's just, uh, it's, it's sometimes funny to see, but at the same time a little frustrating because he has no idea that I want the best for him. When we go inside the house, my son right now is in this tip where even though the light sockets have the little plastic that protects them, he knows exactly how to take those off. And he likes to stick his little finger in there just to see what can happen. And I say, Lord, please have mercy on my soul and my son's because I do not want anything to happen. And so I have to take him by the hand, I have to discipline him, and I have to make sure that he understands that this is not something that is beneficial for him. As my son will get older, there will be times where I'm going to have have to let go a little bit more of the reins, because his understanding of his relationship with his dad is going to be a little bit deeper, and there's going to be a time Where I'm just gonna have to say, okay, son, you're gonna have to make your own choices. It's the same with us. We don't like it when God tells us no. In fact, we throw our tantrums when God tells us no. In fact, we like to be our own God and simply say, God, I got this. I don't need you. I'm gonna go ahead and take my stroller and go towards the car that is coming my way and I want to see what it feels like to which God in his infinite mercy and in the concept of free will sometimes he says okay that's fine I'll be here waiting we can know the concept of God We can know who God is, but if we don't have a relationship with God, all of this is meaningless. We have in our churches, sometimes we have intellectual Christians, but emotional atheists. We have people that know the Bible from beginning to end, but they have yet to know who God is. We talked about sin, we talk about missing the mark, we talk about how the Pharisees thought that they were aiming at the right bullseye, but they kept missing it, so then the question is, what is the mark that we are missing? Or maybe we need to rephrase the question, not so much what is the mark, but more of who is the mark? let me tell you something right now if you want to know the value of one year just ask a student who failed the course if you want to know the value of one month ask a mother who gave birth to a premature baby if you want to know the value of one hour ask the lovers wanting to meet if you want to know the value of one minute ask the person who just missed the bus if you want to know the value of one second ask the person who just escaped death in a car accident if you want to know the value of one hundredth of a second ask the athlete who won a silver medal in the Olympics and I'm here to tell you right now if you want to know the value of time with God, then I'm here to tell you that you have figured out not what is the mark, but who is the mark. My friends, whenever we do anything without Christ, we are missing the mark because that is the mark that we need to aim for every single day. Think about it. Christ, the embodied law, is the mark. And sin is missing that mark by not shooting towards Him, by not matching Him. I'm here to tell you right now, I fear sometimes when I see the church filled with intellectual Christians but emotional atheists, people that are able to quote Scripture Just to bash you. Just to make sure that they are that they are making their their point felt. But the peace of God is no is not in their hearts. The love of God is not in their hearts. I wonder sometimes, and I'm not here to pass on any judgment because I am nobody. Because at the same time I know I also struggle with these things, and I think that all of us are in the same boat. But whenever we sin, we miss the mark. Whenever we quote scripture without Christ, we miss the mark. That is sin. Whenever we do the work that we do without Christ, that is sin. Therefore, we're missing the mark. If I am here preaching a message to you and trying to give you hope and give it to you without Christ, I am missing the mark and I'm here to tell you by the way that that is entirely possible I can be a charismatic uh, speaker I can be a charismatic preacher I can move masses on my own without Christ and if I do that I miss the mark because I'm doing it without him everything that you do everything that you are whether you're a frontliner, whether you're a treasurer, whether you're a doctor, a nurse, a pastor, it doesn't matter. But God is telling us here, do it with me so that we can both shoot at the bullseye. You're asking what is the mark? I'm asking who is the mark? The mark is Jesus. And the closer that we walk with Him, the better we become at shooting the bullseye. Christ Himself says to all of us, come, walk with Me, and you will not miss the mark.